and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle! And the Leafs are moved again! Hello there and welcome to Nesson Bruins Podcast. I'm Nesson.com's Mike Cole, joined as always. Well, I guess this is different, but going back as always, Logan Mullen. That's Logan. Hi, Logan. And, hey, uh, and Lauren Campbell. Basically, I'm the one rejoining because uh, I've been gone for a while and you guys have uh, taken my shifts and uh, skated admirably. So nice job. Thank you. You became a dad in real life. I became your dad in the podcast world. <laughs> uh, using like dad in that context is always weird, but you're, yeah, that's kind of your thing. So <laughs> saying dad in any context except for your actual father is objectively weird yep very uncomfortable so a uh, rabbit hole we don't need to go down so uh like when did i leave my, my child was born on the first on january 1st so i on i have not been on this show since the bruins started playing hockey um, <laughs> yeah very hard to believe so i guess today there's going to be a little bit of a check-in uh, kind of a, an assessment of where they are 18% of the, the way into the season that we just uh, litigated uh, earlier. They're did not you quite... actually do that math? Is it actually 18%? No, I didn't do the math, but it's, you know, they're not at the quarter pole. They're not there. But again, I'm kind of re-immersing myself into, uh, into the Bruins. I've been a little bit busy, a little bit, uh, a little bit deprived of sleep. So it's been, you know, a little more difficult for me to follow, uh, follow the black and gold with the, uh, with the same strenuous vigor that uh, the Bruins podcast listeners have come to know. Um, You've been watching, you text me every game. No, not every game. I, there's, yeah, I guess it, yeah. Yeah, only when you're, the only time I text you is when your takes look like garbage. So I guess I do text you every game. Yeah. You you text me often. Um, Brandon Carlos shot the other night looked fantastic. Um, I, we uh, talking about litigating things. We don't need to relitigate this, but I can, have candidly admitted in this forum that I came around on Brandon Carlo when he leveled Artemi Panarin in open ice during the second round of the 2019 Cup run. That was his watershed moment for me. And no, that's not true. All right, now we're off on a tangent already. <laughs> but you gave no because I because uh, I brought up Carlo last yeah. year, and you're like, well, you just you you pointed to Panarin play as like uh, you basically called me a simple-minded rube and I just you know <laughs> the shoe fits I was um, to Logan when Carlo leveled Panarin and <laughs> Logan was just like well there goes everything like now I'm gonna have to <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> I'm that, like Carlo's the best defenseman <laughs> then you're being yeah so you're being disingenuous because you well so that my a- the origin of my take was that Carlo is fine for what he is, but people got lulled into this false belief that because he played with Chara his rookie year, that he was going to be like a McAvoy level top pairing defenseman, which he never was going to be. And that's partially more an indictment of like, you know, the, the role he got shoehorned into as opposed to what his actual skill is. But my thing was always like, he's a, a mid tier second pairing defenseman. Um, that the, I, credit to him though his offense has come around a lot. The jury still out on that, by the way. In what the top pairing thing? Yeah, I mean, as long as he's around, McAvoy is going to be around. Yeah, so I'm not going to kind of advocate for him, but I think there's still room for growth in this game because it's the hardest position in the sport to learn. But that's whatever. I did not. I guess I well, I guess <laughs> I should have expected that three minutes in we'd be doing a Carlo debate, but 
Um, to be clear, you instigated that. Yeah, I did. Well, it was the first thing I could think you, of. So. You'd get the extra two minutes for that. Anywho, the Bruins are good. Um, somewhat surprisingly, I think, uh, I, you know, Logan, you want to talk about text? Uh, I know you and I <laughs> exchanged uh, some messages early in the season where uh, I was like, the Bruins don't look very good, um, and they don't look like they've got a lot of jump or anything. Like, it was pretty mundane there for a while very early on um and and since i said that uh the bruins have won just about every game they've played another than like the washington game the overtime loss so uh they're good i guess the results have been certainly good i don't know i guess we can start there do you guys buy into this being a whatever i mean it's clearly not an 800 team but uh you know do you buy into them being one of the best teams in the nhl that I buy into. I don't think it's sustainable, but I buy into it. Like this good? Like top of the table? Yeah, I mean, they, they're, they're missing a lot of guys, and they're still doing this. Like the thing is that a lot of the things that they've needed to go right have gone right. So like Nick Ritchie has been very good. Trent yeah. Frederick has been very good. Um, you know, the analytics haven't been kind to the Zaboral-Miller pairing, but like they've been fine. Um the goaltending's been stable enough. And so they've done all this without Andre Kasha, which who knows when he'll be back. Uh, they've done a lot of this without uh, Matt Grizzly. He's periodically been gone. And of late without Jake DeBrusque, like they're missing three of their top six forwards. And after that initial dry spell with the five on five scoring, they've been scoring like fiends. I don't think the playing from behind thing is going to work mm. forever, but for now they look right. Yeah, I think so too. And in the beginning, they were without Poshnok. They were without Poshnok for seven seven games, I think it was. And he's obviously picked up a lot of the slack. But as Logan said, there's no Jake DeBrus, there's no Andre Kasha, Matt Grizzlick. And I thought Grizzlick was going to be a huge loss because of his puck movement. And obviously it is, but the defense has been pretty good. Um, there's the shots on net, the goaltending's been stable, like Logan said. But at the end of the day, I playing from behind. Yes. It, that needs to, that's an issue, but they're winning games. And right now they're the team to beat. And I'm, I'm going to buy into it until I have a reason not to. I'll at least give them this too. They're not just doing these comebacks against like the, the devils probably aren't a great example, but like the Sabres, like it's not against they've had it against the flyers. They've had it against the capitals. Like the, there's at least something to be said about them being able to do this against, um, you know, pretty, pretty good teams. Fair but point. The, like the majority of their games now have been against Philly, Pittsburgh, um, and Washington. Washington. Like yeah. that's, you know, that's, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. I don't have a whole lot to add to what you guys said. I like, I don't think it's, my issue is, eh, I, I don't think they're as good as the results of been, but I guess that's kind of obvious. Cause like I said, they're at a, you know, they're getting points at an 80% clip, which is just absurd. Um, but, and you know, the Nick Ritchie thing is, is funny. I think it's like, you know, it's I, incredible. I, I, I like, uh, I like tweeting out my, uh, Nick Ritchie power play specialist every time he's, uh, he's got four power play goals. It's absurd. It's um, made way too much sense it, ever since yeah. they traded for him. There was no reason not for him to be the net front guy. On the that being season. said, like that, that well will run dry eventually, but you start looking on the list. I'm just looking at the, the, just the most basic elementary stats right now. Like Bergeron has been an absolute menace. Like yeah. I didn't even realize he got 15 points in 10 games and, and Marshawn's been great too. 
Like Marshawn's getting heart buzz already. I think that probably should go to Bergeron, but that's neither here nor there. It's a good problem to have. Um, McAvoy, you know, most of the time has been sick. Like Krejci continues to, you know, put up numbers as well. And then, yeah, to, to Lauren's point, they did most of this without Pasternak, and he's come back and looked like a hard trophy guy himself. Like it's – and, you know, I, I pointed this out on Twitter Tuesday night, Wednesday night, um, in that Philly game. Like, obviously, Pasternak had the three goals and the assist, but he made that play in overtime defensively that was – it might have saved them – or not in overtime, at the uh, end of regulation that might have saved them. Like, Bergeron had a bad turnover in his own zone, and, you know – Pasternak checked the guys, stick lifted, took it away. They went down the other end and they eventually scored. So it's, it's good to see if that's the kind of player they're going to get from him, they're only going to get better. Uh, or at least that, that line's only going to get better. Um, I was just looking at it. Cause I, I saw somebody tweeting about it. It might've been Fluto where like the advanced stats are outpacing what the Bruins have been. And I was looking at it too on evolving hockey. Like, let's see, what is it? They are, they're like third and expected goals for, uh, and then they're like dead last in goals for no, I forget what it was. They're 23rd, 24th in goals for per 60 minutes. So like they're not, I mean, this seems like the, the tail of the Bruins pretty much forever, but they're not scoring at the rate that their shot attempt numbers indicate they maybe should. So if they get any more luck moving forward, it's you know reasonable to think they'll start scoring even more goals. Uh, so I think that's, you know, that is encouraging. I don't know. It's, I think water eventually finds its level, but you know, that kind of goes both ways. Like they're probably not going to be this sort of team all season, but maybe there is a little bit of room for growth. I don't know how that kind of levels out. I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth there, but um, I, I don't know. I'm just more surprised than anything. Cause I just, even with the relative amount of luck they've had, cause I, I do think you can't, you can't be successful long-term winning every game, in overtime or the shootout and coming back from three goal deficits. I think that's kind of lucky to, to be where they at right now, but even so they've been better than I, I could have even imagined. So that's encouraging. I guess. And to your point about Bergeron being a menace, he didn't really have a great night last night on face-offs. I think the Bruins as a whole really didn't do so well face-offs, but he still ended with a four point night. Like even if he's not going to produce on face-offs, he's going to produce somewhere else. And that showed last night. I think he, I think it was, I think it was four points. I think him Pashnok finished with four points, but, um, and I said this about the Penguins too, about playing from behind that it's not sustainable, but they're still finding ways to win. And we've kind of seen the Penguins fizzle out kind of, especially against the Bruins and the Bruins need to figure it out. It's, it's stressful playing from behind. And I mean, nobody wants to go down in the third period down three, one, three, nothing, but they, I think they will figure it out. It's just a matter of the lines clicking and just, I mean, they got on the board first last night, but just building off of that, they can't just score the first goal and hope for the best. To, to that point, too, I think that, like, I don't know, that I guess to be the contrarian of the group here, the fact that they're winning all these games has overshadowed the fact that they have had some downright horrid periods of hockey. Like, yeah. some of it's been boring, but some of it has been, like, objectively bad. Um, and, like, they had a few stinkers against the capitals um you know most of that islanders loss um they looked like fine but not good enough and i think to the um the analytics side of it they're trying to shoot a lot more 
like you can tell but first of all i had no clue zaboral shot as much as he did which is not a problem that guy loves to pull the trigger carlo's shooting a lot more they finally started getting mcavoy to shoot more so i think that might potentially skew the numbers a little bit that they're at least like from a coursey perspective they're trying to shoot a lot more yeah um i'm looking up i mean craig smith in that regard is <laughs> absolutely yeah. is advertised he's not found a place on the ice he does not want to shoot from uh this is too confusing but um <laughs> numbers are making your head hurt yeah and that's um, what i get for, for let let me pose a question here yep for for the class how far fetched is it that the Bruins have somebody as a finalist for the Hart, Selkie, and Norris? Because like McAvoy could be in the Norris conversation. Bergeron will be in the Selkie. Pasternak will probably be in the Hart at this point, if not Marshawn and or Bergeron. Right? I'm not crazy for thinking that. I think there's no chance. Really? Yeah, I mean, I think that Norris is the long shot. Like, maybe I'm underplaying how good Charlie McAvoy has been this year. Um, I don't know. It just feels like. If Charlie McAvoy pulls along Jeremy Lozon for an entire season, and that's not even like, uh, I'm not trying to insult Lozon. It's just. Sounds like. He's just getting thrust into a role that he was probably not built to be at this point in his career. He's done fine, but like McAvoy's the horse on that line and he's become like an all situations player and very good in every phase of the game. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's that far of a reach. I know the analytics community loves McAvoy. I don't think it's too far out of the question either. I think McAvoy's kind of been playing a little under the radar and maybe that's because it's being overshadowed like with Poshnok's hot start, the Bruins being down, you know, three or four players and still winning games, um, kind of how they win games. The defense kind of gets overshadowed because it's never really the defense that we've seen making these big plays to, to win these games. But I think right now, I don't think it's out of the question. Um, I think it's worth, I mean, it's a shortened season. It's a weird season. I think it's worth putting them into the discussions right now. A lot can happen between now and March and April and toward the end of the season. But Right now, I think the Bruins have a lot of really good skaters and really good candidates for, for these awards. Uh, well, the McAvoy thing quickly, the McAvoy thing opens up a whole other philosophical debate about the direction of the Norris Trophy. Because, like, as far as I'm concerned, it's become the offensive defenseman award. Well, that was going like, to point, too, yeah. Like, John Carlson put up a crap load of points last year, a woeful defensive player. Um, and so I'd be curious to see as time goes on, if you see guys like McAvoy that might not put up his gaudy of offensive numbers, but are way more sound of defensive players like, you know, Miro Heiskanen fits into that category too. A lot of those guys. That's why I thought Yossi should have won it last year because he's an incredibly solid defender and he had like something like 65 points. Like he had both, but I think you're going to have to start to, it's going to start to shift as a different group of voters starts coming up for those awards of, well, what do you value most? Is it just the John Carlson type guy that'll put up 60, 70, 80 points, um, but is a liability defensively. Don't you think it's interesting that, and that ridiculous uh, question that you just asked us, um, you did not mention the Vesna trophy. Like, well, Rask hasn't been that. I, Rask has been so- fine. That was going to be my, my – I'm using that as a springboard is what do you guys think of the goaltending situation so, so far? 
I think Logan said it best. It's been stable. Um, it's been, it's been fine. Um, and I do know that with no preseason, they do need to get a couple games, get their legs back under them and really get back into game action. But we are 10, 11 games to the season. Um, Rask has had some rest already. I think, it, I think it'll improve. I hope it improves, but right now I'm just kind of like meh with it. I'm not blown away, but I'm not worried. I'm like right in the middle. Well, early on, I mean, some of those initial games against the Devils, like the saves that Rask and Halak were having to make, like there, there were some, (laughs) there were some growing pains early on where like Zaboro and Miller and Lozon, like they were fine, but there were a couple of times where (laughs) the puck would come back the other way. Like that's kind of the downside of Carlo joining the rush more often, especially when he plays with a guy like Clifton. So all of a sudden, Brandon Carlo's in like the slot and the puck starts going the other way and Clifton's behind the net and it's like three on zero, like that Penguins one in overtime. Like it's just, (laughs) it's uh, that ended up with nobody taking a shot, but the numbers aren't going to tell the full story for either guy. I don't think right now, because Rask has what, like a sub 900 save percentage. I was going to say, do you know what Tuka Rask's save percentage is? It's like 880 or something. It's 888. (laughs) I was going to make a point um, about that though. Like it's been weird because he has, the numbers aren't great. And there have been games where it's like, yikes. But then you go back to which, which game was it? Uh, was it the Philly game the other night? I, was I it the Capitals when he was like an overtime, just absolutely a house? It, no, it must have been before that because then he gave up that goal early in overtime. Maybe it's one of the Pittsburgh games, but he made it. They came back and they tied it late, uh, and then he made like a you know a kick save you know later right at the end of regulation. I think that was the Washington one. That was the Washington. Sure. Was it, yeah, because they tied. Yeah, you're right. They tied it up to late and then Washington came down right after they scored still in regulation and had a chance so like he's making just as it's completely anecdotal but like the numbers aren't good but it feels like he is making some of those saves where it's like well where would they be if he didn't make that save and you know so you still see it and maybe yeah as he gets his legs under him a little bit more maybe it's it comes together but you know I would kind of trade in like you know, the Tukarask Vesna stats, if you're going to get a few more of those saves that he's been knocked over the years for not making, you know what I mean? Like there are times where he doesn't make saves where it's like, man, could you, it, Cassidy gets on this, on, on this from sometimes where it's like, you know, there are saves that maybe he's not supposed to make where if he makes them, it wins you a game. And, you know, Tuka doesn't always make those saves. If he's going to make those, then I think it's a it's a fair enough trade off. If maybe his numbers go down a little bit, if you're going to, I guess that's probably a bad take because goals are goals, you know, at the end of the day. But I do think that there is something to be said for like a two on zero rush. You know, if you can steal me a save here and there, that can really change, you know, the feeling of a game and the momentum of a game and keep you in a game. So, um, yeah, I, I it's probably a little bit too early. Halak looks good though. I mean, that's Halak looks good. They're they're sixth in goals against. Yeah, it's weird. It's a, like I said, the numbers are just, you start digging into this. It's just a very strange, you know, that, that means, I guess, so if they're, they're six it's weird sample game, size territory, they're just not giving up. Well, I mean, they're, so they're not giving up a ton of shots then either. Right. Like that's, that's the, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of their games have been relatively low scoring. Yeah. If you're, your goalie has a sub 900 save percentage and you're six in the league and goals against, you're probably not giving up a ton of shots. So. 
Yeah. The shots in these games are close. That's so like five four, one nothing, three two. Yeah. Like it's not like they're not high scoring affairs here. Yeah, it's that's the other thing too, is, and that's why I wonder how sustainable it is long term to play with the way the way they are right now. Is because I would imagine it without looking at. It, I mean, I can look it over now. The amount of one goal games that they've played. I mean, just by virtue of how many times they've gone to overtime already, it's clear that these have been close games. So. Those are coin flips. You don't always win those. So that's something to, to, to monitor. Seven one-goal games. Seven one-goal games out of ten so far. Wow. And how many of those have they won? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, all but two. So, all but three. All of their well, losses were one goal. So they're, you know, four and three, not counting overtime or shootouts and one-goal games? No. That Something seems like, like it's that. right along. You know, that's that's fifty-fifty basically. So that's that's encouraging long term as well. That seems relatively sustainable. Yeah. Well, and the thing is too is it's not like the rest of the division is that much better. Like I think we're starting to figure out where a lot of these the tiers that a lot of these teams are falling in because like the Sabers, we didn't really know what they were going to be. Uh, the Devils have been better than what I think a lot of people thought they were going to be. I was already low on the Penguins, but like the Penguins haven't been that good. So I think the Bruins, for one, they can hang around with the Capitals and the Flyers, which is what I think matters the most. Um, and like they've walloped the Flyers a few times. Um, to me, the fact that they can hang around with those teams at least gives them some level of confidence that okay, you don't want to be playing all these tight games, but at least if you need to come back against the other top dogs in the division, you can. Yeah, and then, like you said, I know that the Devils, you know, they're not the greatest out there, but they are beating Philly and the Caps, and they've had issues with the Caps over the years. Flyers are a very good team right now. So it is encouraging um, to see that they are beating stronger teams. It's not like they're playing the Red Wings eight times and – so it's, it's encouraging because they have strong players. There are forces of teams out there, but it's not, it's not sustainable. I don't, I don't think playing from behind all the time and giving up the first goal, giving up the lead, but it'll, it'll come around. I don't have any reason to worry right now about the Bruins, even though they're shorthanded, they're obviously making do. It's just a matter of keeping the lead and not forcing overtime. I like- and I think for, a while we're sitting here poking holes in a team that is like seven one this is this is what always happens like mike you and i did this last year too where it's just like after a while you can only sit around and be like yeah i mean they're really good i know yeah i think a few favors are getting done for them though because like the islanders have not been good the rangers are a mess uh the devils even as we've been saying like better than we thought they're still not exactly a team ready to compete it doesn't look like the Sabres are going to be that good so we entered the season thinking pretty much every team except New Jersey could compete for a playoff spot again way too early but now it's like very clearly the Bruins Flyers and Capitals and then an unhealthy Penguins team on the outside like okay teams will get hot things will change but now it's very quickly looking like a four horse race as opposed to the entire division gunning for those spots so I don't know. I think they can take solace in that too. Yeah. I mean, they're what a couple of weeks of this level of hockey or something close to it away from, I mean, not solidifying themselves, but you know, these points matter just as much as they do in, in April and May. So like 
if they can sit here and be consistent points wise for a month and a half to begin the season, then you've banked a lot of points for teams that to your point, Logan and Lauren, like have not looked as good as we thought. So I, I think right now you might as well ride this wave as long as you can, because you're going to need those points. Cause you know, these teams probably aren't going to be as bad as they've looked relatively speaking, you know, Pittsburgh, you got to think has a run in there at some point if they get healthy and Buffalo is probably done like they're it's probably all over for them. Cause they're just going to, you know, the COVID thing has been a complete and utter disaster and they're going to have a buttload of games at some point that they're going to have to play in a short period of time. That's not ideal. So, but yeah, I mean, if you can, you know, doesn't matter when you get them as long as you get them. So 12, 12 of their 14 last 12 of their 14 final games are against the Islanders, Sabres, Penguins, Devils, and Rangers. So like part of my ignorance, have they rescheduled the, uh, not yet. I don't think So the, those uh, could get ta- tacked on at the end of the year as well. So that could, you, know, <laughs> you get, you end up playing Rochester basically. Yeah. Right. With nothing yeah. to play for. You know, yeah. that's something to keep in mind. I don't know. I don't know. So what have they – have they rescheduled any of the COVID games across the league yet? What's Some, their, I think. What is their plan with that? So have they, they moved those back or – I don't know. I think they might just try and shoehorn them in. Do you know, Lauren? No, I think the same thing. I think it's where the – wherever they can fit. Um, I just know they haven't done anything with the Bruins games yet. But it's I have- much different to try to reschedule hockey games in the middle of a hockey season than it is, say, the NFL. Like the NFL could just move a Sunday game to Wednesday. And as weird as it feels, at least you can kind of move it around. It's a, I feel like it's a little more difficult in the NHL, especially considering how jam-packed this schedule has been. I guess the – oh, sorry. I wonder if they move playoffs back at some point or, you know, if maybe the Bruins end up playing 53 games because, no, oh, that doesn't make sense either. I don't know. This is – it's difficult. Yeah. Well, the thing that could help is that with the way the schedule's constructed with the series – um, it'll be easier. Like if the Bruins have to play Buffalo, you just put it back to back at the end. So you're going to end up something like that. So all these teams, they're basically ending up playing like the same group. If you're having two, three straight games wiped out. Well, that's going to be tough for the Bruins then. Cause like by no, by, or, you know, it's tough for everybody, obviously, but like if the Bruins don't get COVID all season, they're going to have to play three games and four nights against Buffalo because Buffalo did like that's, I mean, I guess that's the price you pay for playing hockey in a pandemic, but it's just, I had not thought about that until now is that like, you know, you're kind of at the mercy of the rest of the league. Like there's nothing the Bruins could have done to reschedule those games when, you know. It's kind of like that's why they should get all these points now. I think every point really happens. That's actually, that's a good point. And that's just something I wonder, I would love to talk to to somebody and and see what that thought process is like in terms of like deep, I mean, you're trying to win every night, but I wonder if there's a more of a, you know, a, a higher premium on getting points early in the season, just because you don't know when your season's about to be railroaded. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if the Bruins came down, if the Bruins had a COVID outbreak right now, at least again, they picked up 80% of their points through the first 10 games of the season. That's a good spot to be in. If you can just build on that in case your, your season kind of hits that speed bump, then that that's obviously better than not. So. You guys got anything else? Not a thing. Um, I, I maybe we can do this at some point. Maybe we'll save this for next month. The Chara stuff. Um, Chara looks good, huh? Yeah, Chara does look good. He's he's playing. Speaking of John Carlson, he's on the top pairing with. Him. Yeah, 
I, I'm sick already sick of the people talking about uh, I'm just not like Homer or whatever like the you know, people pointing at Chara and being like and then somehow pointing at the Bruins be like see you know what, what were they doing like the the Bruins didn't want Zidane Chara like especially early on the defense was not a problem for the Bruins right yeah it still isn't like Zaboros no. had a couple of tough games but they've still been fine if the Bruins were getting shellacked and wearing sixth or eighth or whatever they are in the league and goals against like uh, ninth um that's one thing but like I would love for people to be able to hold the space that maybe it's possible that the best thing happened for both sides yeah it's true like that's I feel like that's the only way to see it like Char got to play somewhere where he's in every night and the Bruins are testing out their young defensemen and it's working for them there is going to be a litmus test I think once you get to the playoffs like that's which is ironic because he kind of slowed down in the playoffs last year like it was weird. All of a sudden, they wanted him back, and then the playoffs happened, and then they didn't want him back. He did not have a great postseason. That being said, that feels like the kind of guy that you want in the postseason when special teams becomes more important, leadership, et cetera, et cetera. So that'll be real interesting to see. But that's so far down the road. You don't want to start talking about the May playoffs right now? I do not want to get in the court. With a foot and a half of snow on the ground? Yeah, as you know, I'm depressed. So. Yeah, aren't um, we all? Yep. Yeah, yeah, we'll revisit that. I think we revisit that when Washington comes to Boston. Um, when's Tahoe? Depression. Yeah, depression. Um, <laughs> the Chara stuff. They is Tahoe coming up? When is that? I again. This happens two weeks from Sunday. Twenty first. Twenty first. So. Came from Fred saving saving yeah, the day. <laughs> I guess Fred had that ready to go. <laughs> I feel like that's a good milestone marker of the season. So the, I, real important two weeks coming up, I think, is, is where I'm at. So Bruins are good. Hockey's fun. I'm glad to have it back. Glad to be back talking about hockey with you guys. So glad to have you back. Anything else? Not now. All right, let's be on our merry way. Um, nice to check in with you guys. We'll do it again next week. Uh, for Lauren and Logan, I'm Mike. This has been Nesson Bruins Podcast. Catch you again next time. See you later.